Fantastic. I think what it what it did was for some reason it switched the microphone to my headset. That makes sense. That's exactly what it sounded like. It sounded like you were calling in on a on like a phone, a cell phone or something. And I was like, yeah, that's I really did. weird because he has a really nice he has a nice microphone. Yeah, and now I know that this this headphone I can just walk around in public in this headphone and talk talk on the phone. Did you not know that that thing had a had a microphone on it? No idea. Man, you discover some new shit all the time, huh? Exactly. It's and it's so pleasurable when it happens. It's a it's a pleasant and delightful surprise. March eighteenth, you're going to be in town. Uh, yeah, that's a week from tomorrow, right? Yeah. So Katie and I are. So we're going to Montreal this weekend. We leave tomorrow morning. Okay. But uh, next week, we are coming into LA on the 18th. Yeah, so we land at LAX um, in the morning. So we're going to have god-awful rush hour traffic to deal with. So it's we might, I don't know, at some point during the day on the 18th, we're going to be coming in to Glendale. And then okay. we'll be there all day. We'll spend the night at mom and dad's. And then uh, we will head out to um, San Diego on Thursday. Nice. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be out there for for the day, um, but we land at LAX at like eight thirty. So PM AM. Oh yeah. So it'll it'll take us a couple hours to to make our way over. I don't think it'll take that long. I mean, it just depends on like, I don't, I haven't rented a car in LAX for a really long time and I don't know what that system is like now, but the last time we rented a car at LAX, it was like, it was a bit of a shit show for sure. And you have to take like a shuttle way off the the property to like whatever um, company that you're renting it from. And then they're always overpacked and crowded. Maybe, uh, maybe it's going to be a little bit easier. Maybe less people are traveling. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. By by next week this time, there will be millions of people dead. So, I've heard. I mean, 11 days ago, Italy had only uh, 600 um, coronavirus, coronavirus cases. And now they have completely quarantined and shut down the whole country. So we're basically, and that's where we're at right now. The U.S. is, is 600 cases-ish. So we're we're a week and a half away from just total an anarchic meltdown, I think. As far as I well, understand it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh it's gonna be like the walking dead. I have my crossbow and my uh my motorcycle ready. And I've been I've been, I've been making my own bullets. Uh I've been working I've been working <laughs> on I've been working on uh having that gravelly whisper voice. Uh with every everything I say, yeah, it's time to hit the road. That that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never watched The Walking Dead, so I don't know what you're what who it is you're referring to. Is it the guy from uh, Love Actually? Is that the guy who talks like that? Uh, right, the guy from Love Actually is in is in. It's, uh, it's the Dead. guy. He, it's. it's it's the guy who was in that big uh, Death Stranding video game from Hideo Kojima. Oh, 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 
yeah, 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 yeah. He has a great name, Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. I was thinking like Seamus O'Flannery, <laughs> but I, I wasn't sure. Norman wasn't Reedus, sure. yeah. He has a Norman he, Reedus. He's fantastic. Oh, it's wonderful. Is he good in The Walking Dead? I mean, he's good in everything he does. He's one of those guys that I'm, I'm like internet familiar with, but I don't know if I've actually ever seen a single one of his movies or TV shows. He strikes me as the type of guy that is exactly, he's like the, I, I don't know what it is. So there's, there are certain actors where they're just themselves. Like thrown Brad into Pitt. a role. Yeah, just Brad Pitt. It's like, are you mopey Brad Pitt? Or are you Southern accent Brad Pitt? Or are you hungry yeah. bad Brad Pitt? Exactly. But you're just Brad Pitt the entire time. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And uh, yeah, Denzel Washington's like that. It's just like, <laughs> it's like you're, you're watching a movie with Denzel Washington playing himself in the backdrop of being yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, a former assassin for the CIA, now retired. Uh, a former or, assassin for Interpol, now retired. A former yeah. assassin for the NSA, now retired. Very, very wide breadth of work recently. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I, I feel like uh, you know something else. I saw we got a uh, Yvette and I got a chance to see the Westworld premiere. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so let me be let me be accurate. It wasn't the premiere. It was a screening. It was the second time they showed it. They had the premiere and the red carpet for all of the actors, and then a day or two days later, we saw it at like an academy screening. And uh, very ambitious. Uh, I don't know if you if you follow up on Westworld. It's convoluted and confusing, and sometimes just doesn't make sense but uh this first the first episode that they showed felt like it was setting up i mean i i don't know how they're going to i don't know how they're going to resolve everything they set up in is it an still hour. written is it still written by damon lindelof this particular episode i think was written and directed by john jonathan nolan Oh, well that's that could be that could potentially be my point but even more exaggerated. Like talk about someone that does not care about actually resolving, you know, all the loose threads of of insanity that they present for various things, but I wasn't the entire second season run by Lindelof? Am I completely I, off base here? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Ever uh, since it, you know, yeah, I just, we started watching it together the second season. And then at some point we tapped out as a couple, we tapped out and then we got around to it individually. Yeah. Yeah. Katie and I didn't, we watched the first, I've watched the first season of Westworld a few times. It's like, it has such high highs and such low lows. And then the second season, I tried to watch like two, three episodes of it. And I was like, this is, I'm not. You didn't. This does not bite. This does not bite the way that that the first season did. And well, now it's like the third season looks like the trailer makes it look like I don't know, a fucking John Wick, 
fucking Blade Runner. Like no, no, it's, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, like I said, it was very ambitious, and I'm going to give it a chance. And but the the point I was trying to make is that there's a new <clears throat> actor in the cast. It's the guy from Breaking Bad, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. He has like two Jesse, first names. Jesse Pinkman. He's, no, that's the character. Oh, that's oh the yeah, character from Breaking yeah. Bad. Uh, His name is like. Uh, Aaron Paul, Paul yeah, Charles. Yeah. yeah, Aaron Paul. I think it might actually Aaron Paul? be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like... He has two first names. Yeah. He has two That's first accurate. names. That is accurate. Yeah, yeah, he has two first names. So, you know, in the interview section after, this, after the screening of the show, he sounds and acts just like all of his characters. <laughs> it feels that way. That's, that's, that's you know, a good he, way to be. He has that... He has that whisper. He goes like this. He sp- he speaks like this constantly at a normal voice, you know. And I don't know if it's smoking or an affectation or if that's just his voice. Is it? Do you think it's easier or harder to do that? Like, is it easier to be an actor who just is their character all the time, or is it harder to be an actor whose characters are just different, very slight variations of you? No, it's it's absolutely 100%, I think, easier for you to just be yourself in a role. Like, for example, it's like Halloween every day. So it would be like, hey, I'm going as a police officer today. Okay, what are you going to do? I'm going to dress up as a police officer. I okay. see it. Okay. All right. So that's that's what it is. It's like when I dress up as a police officer on Halloween, nobody's thinking, oh, that's an actual police officer. Right. They think, oh, it's it's Zara dressed up as a police officer, you know? And I, so that's what it feels like. I don't actually think Denzel Washington, I, I haven't seen anything with Denzel Washington in it where I was like, oh, wow, that that's Denzel Washington? Oh, my God. He's unrecognizable. <laughs> It's like it, it is interesting because even if I if you look back at you know Brad Pitt's most not Brad Pitt characters like who do you, who that's the thing is like who is it who's the least Brad Pitt of all of the Brad Pitt characters that he's played my guess is probably the vampire from Interview with a Vampire but even that is just long haired Brad Pitt being sexy he's that's all he's doing he's like. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if my grandchildren uh, are watching movies with Brad Pitt in them, you know? So if he, you know, he might actually be a vampire. Who knows? He could, he could actually be. There's, there's a lot of actors who are like that. Samuel L. Jackson is like that. The rock is Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly I, I feel like you really risk not being a real thing at a certain point like at a certain point you okay so let me let me give you an example uh have you seen homeland which one is homeland is that the, the show. show with is, yeah is uh what's her face in it that it's not is it anna paquin that's in that no no it's, it's the chick that uh, looks like anna paquin. claire claire danes claire danes is in that no i haven't yeah, claire seen homeland. okay so one of the characters in that is uh is one of the main characters in that is like the CIA director or whatever, who, who manages all of this played by Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. He plays the same. Yeah. Mandy, of course that's uh, that is uh, uh, Inigo Montoya, isn't it? 
That's Anigo Montoya for yeah, yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. So it's... like I was I was speaking with uh Edwin a uh, mutual friend and uh, the other day and and he was talking about how how much he enjoyed Homeland and he talked about the fact that it was like over and over and over uh, no now I'm mixing it up maybe it wasn't Edwin maybe it was Andy Petronic but anyway uh uh I I was talking to them. They were they were saying, "Oh, I love Homeland." I'm like, "You know who that actor is, right?" He's like, "Yeah, I mean, he's been in Homeland, and I don't know what else." I'm like, "Do you remember the Princess Bride?" And <laughs> it's like, "Yeah." It's like, he was Inigo Montoya. I was like, "What? Who? Wh- wh- what? Which character?" Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Now prepare to die. He's like, what? No way. I'm like, yeah, that's a real actor. That's a real actor. That is the range a real actor has. That's like that's like Tom Cruise showing up in Tropic Thunder where you don't know it's Tom Cruise until the credits roll and you're like, what the fuck? That was Tom Cruise? That's perfect. That's got a little bit of Tom Cruise from him. It does have a little later bit of Later in the scene. Yeah. There's a little bit of like... There's a, you're like, there's a special kind of crazy coming off that character. <laughs> you're like, it you know, that me character, of Tom Cruise. <laughs> that character isn't a Scientologist on screen, but you can tell he might be a Scientologist character wise. I mean, we're picking it up here. Yeah. yeah but that's, it's, that's you cool. know, going back to, to like watching Westworld with, with uh, my wife, I don't know if you experienced this, but I find it. I find that when we watch things together, it has to be, it has to be a very specific thing because we watch, we consume content in completely different ways. Like when I'm watching a show that I'm interested in, I am dialed in. Okay. If I need to get up and go to the kitchen and pick something up, I'm going to pause and do it. I think I know whereas, where this is going. Whereas she, like she's okay with watching things over her shoulder and, and and when i say she's okay with it like she's okay with it but i'm not okay with it i'm not okay with her being okay with it if that makes any <laughs> now sense that's that's the problem the problem is that you're not okay with her being okay with it i have a good reason though because she'll come back and she'll be like what just happened and it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no no that's uh it's crazy because Yvette does this professionally this is her work is to create this content that you know millions of people are consuming uh every month every fair year. point fair right? point granted i'm sure i'm sure when you watch you know like sausage being made the first time and you've never seen it before you're like wow sausage but uh you know if somebody is a sausage maker they're just like oh my god i'm grinding i'm grinding all of these pieces through this machine again i i just imagine that at some point yvette has like she's edited and produced and written and seen so many of these shows and so much creative stuff that it narrows the possibility of what could actually happen in whatever the next scene is in whatever she's watching. If she's like watching it and she's seen the first 20 minutes, the last 10 minutes are probably not going to surprise her. It's probably going to be like, oh yeah, well that makes total sense. Yeah, no, and you know, it's interesting. I didn't realize, I mean, 
I didn't realize how good she was at what she did until, I mean, I, I, I always had a concept of it and I'd seen her in snippets doing her thing, but I didn't realize it until she had an opportunity to, uh, she had an opportunity uh, to connect with the editor of Lost, one of the editors of Lost, the TV show, mm-hmm. okay? And it was in preparation for potentially doing, uh, you know, a show that she cut, uh, a, a TV movie that she cut. Um, but the the guy from Lost was like, here, why don't you put some scenes together from using the footage from Lost uh, and, you know, kind of do your best. Now, I am a huge Lost fan. Yvette had never seen an episode of Lost. Okay. All right. I love where this is going. I watched some of the scenes that she cut together and I was like, what the hell? (laughs) How? Like, this is so good. It's so good. And, and, you know, you think, oh, well, I mean, how much stuff does she have to work with? They have like multiple takes from multiple angles of every single thing. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, it was pretty amazing to see that she had never seen the show and she cut together some scenes, you know, and the way she did it uh, was, you know, was pretty, pretty amazing to watch how subtle, like subtle the differences were where she made some choices that were very similar to the guy that actually cut it. And then she made some choices that were different and kind of changed the context of the scene. And, you know, context of the scene, considering that I had seen the entire series. Right. Whereas she hadn't seen any of it, you know? It's, it's interesting. So, it's like, it's like um, you know, there's there are animals that see in different wavelengths. Like there's animals that can see ultraviolet or whatever. Right. That's right. how that's how a professional of Yvette's caliber is with story. You yeah, know, she, it's a su- it's a superpower. She because you know the it really the editor's job is really really hard. Like it takes a lot of work to be able to take you know the screenwriter puts it on the page, the director turns it into some sort of visuals. Usually the director is involved in the editing process in some way, but like the editor's job is to take you know, what's the actual core moving factor of this story? And then what's the visual that we're given and is shot and is like the vision of the director? And then how do you make those things actually meet in something that is palatable and makes sense and is like physically cohesive and, you know, flows and has the right cadence? Like that's that's a really challenging, it's a crazy skill set. It's a crazy skill set and she's really good at it. Yeah. And, 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 and it differs depending on what kind of thing you're editing. So Mm -hmm. apparently the dramatic stuff that has the direct, like the things that even lay people who don't have much of a uh, expose of an exposure to the, how filmmaking happens 
I think that would be kind of probably us to some extent where we have, we have a, like a basic knowledge of it, but, but, you know, not really experienced in it. It's not necessarily our line of work. I mean, I, I wouldn't actually equate you with me at this point because you do a lot of your own, your own production as well. But apparently the dramatic stuff is a lot uh, simpler than like documentary work mm. or, you know, because, because in the dramatic stuff, there's a story already there. The director has a vision of what things are going to look like. There's a script and really what you're choosing are performances and, you know, timing, stuff like that. Whereas, you know, if you're making a documentary about something, <laughs> it's like, we want to do a documentary about somebody. Okay. You got some interviews. Now go find some footage of other stuff, footage that you've shot for the documentary, news, you know, real coverage. Like you're making the story, you're making the entire feel, you're making the. So uh, I'm, uh, I, I the, all of this, by the way, was just couching the fact that I, uh, I get annoyed when she gets up and starts walking around during our shows. Well, Katie so. does Kate. So Katie and I very rarely these days are watching. Um, we're, we're very rarely watching like really hard dramatic or super intense shows. Most of the shows we watch probably qualify at the best as trash. And in real reality are like, straight up garbage and they're so good they're the best garbage shows on the planet but she does and i it's during the garbage shows when we're watching it i do the same thing i like get up walk around because it's like reality tv who cares the next scene they're going to reiterate the same point it doesn't matter like I'll, I'll figure out who the worst human being on the face of the planet is oh it's this person they're in the show of course of course it is that totally makes sense but like when we watch anything dramatic, and if, if I have any experience with it prior, so for example, like uh, e even just watching like Star Wars or whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. If, if, even if I've never seen it before, Kate does the opposite of what Yvette does. Kate asks me what is going to happen next. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know either because this is my first time watching it too. So let's just watch it. And we'll see what happens because that's what we're here for. It's what we're doing right here. <laughs> just just half an hour of patience. Yeah, just just watch. I'm sure it's coming up next. And, and the answer to your question will be revealed yeah, dramatically. The, the thing is going to give you the answer to your question in due time, which is the whole yeah. point of experiencing the thing. So, yeah, we, we generally these days – aren't really watching any sort of series or uh, uh, like, you know, scripted shows. We watch a lot of, a lot of pure trash garbage reality shows and we hey, love it. Hey, hey, watch it. There's a lot. I mean, listen, uh, there, a lot goes into turning that into art. Oh, I think that's an art form. It is an art itself. form. It is absolutely an art form. There's no way. Listen, Stupid people have existed 
as long as there have been humans. And yet it's taken this long for us to get a show like Love is Blind on Netflix. You know what I mean? Clearly there is some magic in the system okay. that puts that show together. Can you – can I guess because I, I – I, you've mentioned Love is Blind. I think I've heard it one other time probably from Medwin. And but I have no idea. I haven't looked at what the show's about. So is Love is Blind is what? Like uh is it a is it a blind people reality show? It is not. It like, is not a blind okay. person reality show. Is it is it like you go on a bunch of blind dates? Kind of, but taken to the next level. So do you want me to tell you what the setup is? I still want to guess. Keep going. Uh you're never blind gonna dates, get it. Blind dates, but taken to the next level? It's like not even the next level. It's like 10, it's blind dates exaggerated 10 times. So you go on a date with somebody you've never met, but you don't actually, uh, no, I don't know. I, I, uh, it's taken to the next level. You go on a blind date with somebody you've never met, And, and uh what um and First they're all, disguised during the date uh even crazier i have no idea okay tell me so first of all, the hosts are Nick and Vanessa Lachey, Nick Lachey and his wife, Vanessa, Jessica, Vanessa maybe, I don't know. Nick and his wife, Nick Lachey and his wife are the hosts of the show. So that even Je- Jessica Simpson? No, 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 no. Jessica Simpson isn't his wife. His wife is some some lady named thing, you know, white girl named Lachey, whatever, right? So you know, Nick and whatever her face is, Lachey. They're the they're the hosts. They're the hosts of the entire thing, and that immediately that immediately gives you like the top end of what type of trash this show is going to be. Right. It tells you it like, it completely pegs the range. You know how, you know where the low is going to be and you know where the high is going to be. And it's not going to, it's not going to escape those things. Uh, here's the setup for love is blind. It, okay. it ranges. It has three phases. All right. Phase one is like 10 to 12, uh, single coeds live together in a house for a week, seven days, one week. The women live on one side of the the house. Men live on another side of the house. Uh, man, actually, it has four phases. Okay, so phase one, they they live they live in these houses for a week. The houses share a hallway, and the and hall- the bar. No, no, no. The hallways. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it, and the hallways are connected to these little pods that are kind of like individual little living rooms. And those living rooms are separated by like an impenetrable, like opaque wall, like lit up opaque glass wall. So you take turns doing blind dates with every other person in the house, every other co-ed in the house. You take turns doing blind dates. You only get to talk to them. You don't ever get to see them. Okay, so that's that's level one. That's that's the blind date. The blind date is you only get to talk to the other person. You never get to see them, right? If you are if you are successful in finding someone that you want to date out of that experience, you have to propose to them. You get engaged. 
Yes. Yes. That's silly. Hold on. Enter phase two. You get a one-week vacation (laughs) in Mexico. So... Now you see the person, right? So you what you propose to them through the pods. So yeah. you actually have to do the the initial proposal happens in the pods when you can't see them, and then you meet, and you're like, "Oh my god, I didn't know you were black." And it's like, "Come on, their voice is really black. Like they're definitely like this is super clear, right? Like it's stuff like their, that. Their voice, their yeah, voice, yeah. like they sound like they." Okay, anyway, or like, oh, wow, you're you're a foot shorter than I thought you were going to be, right? Okay, so stuff like that. Okay, so, uh, you, by the way, the I didn't know you were black thing. So, first of all, uh, the guy, the guy's white and, and the woman is black. They're, they're the cutest fucking couple in the entire show. 100% the cutest couple in the entire show. And I can't remember, it, actually, it was the other way. She says to him, I, I didn't know you were white. And I was like, Really? You didn't know he was white. He has the white. Yeah, his name is his name is Blake. Yeah, it's it's like and, that's it's like he has a super white name and he has the whitest voice on the face of the planet. And he definitely knew she was black because he has wait like, wait, 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 I'm not a good judge of that because we grew okay. up together and what does an Armenian sound like? To me, Armenians sound like this, my friend, of course. <laughs> That's a little, Persian. a little Persian, but again, anyway, so phase two is the vacation. So if you can, not everybody makes it through. Obviously you have to find someone that you love enough to propose to them to get married. After a week. After a week of only talking to them through an opaque glass door, which everyone else is talking to the same people. So like in, in some cases on like the women's side, like three different women fell in love with the same guy. And so they were being like super catty with one another. And then the guy like had to break up with them individually and then finally pick one. It was crazy. Okay. So phase two is you go on vacation in Mexico for a week, right? So you finally get to meet and you go immediately on vacation in Mexico Phase three is they move everyone to Atlanta. So everyone's from Atlanta, but they move everyone into the same apartment building in Atlanta for a week. Uh, Maybe they have two weeks in the apartments. And then the final phase is you fucking get married. So you have, you have like, I think it's 40 days or six weeks, something like that from the start of everyone getting into the house to the marriage at the end of the show. And, you know, you have a week to do the blind dating and propose. Then you have a week in Mexico to, like, you know, crash and burn. If a, a kid, But that happened to one couple. They, like, were super in love in the pods. And then in Mexico, it just completely fell apart. And then, uh, you know, a, a handful of couples made it to, like, the apartments where they live together, planning their weddings or whatever. And then at the at the wedding, the final decision is you get to say I do or I do not. So you make it all the way up to the wedding. It's basically like, it's the trashiest and the most exaggerated dating show I think I've ever seen. Like, it sounds fantastic. It is sounds fantastic. amazing. It is yeah, it amazing. It sounds fantastic. So, so are, is it like the typical lineup of, you know, really 
good-looking people yeah, on the range of like eight to tens, basically. Yeah, there was not a single unattractive person in the entire house. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. it was ridiculous. See, that, like, I think if you have like, I think if you do, I think if you add a little bit of, I mean, if you have like Realism. a little person and then like oh, somebody shit. who's like, <laughs> somebody's like, who's like morbidly obese, uh, you know, uh, like a disabled person, like you have like a really good representation, then I think it gets really interesting because then maybe, you know, there's, you know, like in the case where there's three women who are in love with the same guy, for example. Okay. So, you know, uh, let's say, I, I mean, I, I don't know, it's three women. Okay. Uh, and one of them is like dropping hints that the other girl is just, you know, she's like, uh, look, look, she's, she's like 300 pounds. Like, <laughs> it adds like a, it adds complexity or, or do the rules pre prevent them, prohibit them from I think sharing the rules? Are, yeah. The, the rules are, you're not allowed to talk about what you look like or anything like that. Um, or how the other, uh, how the other people look, you know, you're only allowed to, to talk to each other about, you know, life shit, I guess. I don't know. But it is, it is a train wreck of a, a show. It is a train wreck of a show. There are some all Sounds time. Like fun. Yeah. There are some all time great reality TV show moments um, in that show. You know, there's like this chick who uh, she fell in love with this one guy, the guy that the guy that like three women fell in love with basically. Um, this chick fell in love with that one guy. And then, there was another guy that was in love with her. That guy was like, I'm willing to propose to you right now. And she was like, you know, I'm sorry. I have to, I have to like break this off with you because this other guy is going to propose to me. And then cut to the guy that she's in love with actually proposes to another girl. So she goes back to the first guy who she broke up with and was like, you know what? I was wrong. Let's do this. She wants the vacation to Mexico. Yeah, let's do this. This is going to be great. We're going to, we're going to totally make it. And then, you know, they, they, you know, they, they propose, he propose, they get together, they meet in person and she's like, he doesn't really look like the average type of person that I would date. Here's the kicker. Did I mention that they all go to Mexico at the same time at the oh, same yes. resort? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they they have like a mixer where they all meet and she finally gets to see the other guy, the guy that she was in love with. And she was like, he's exactly who I would want to marry. He's the best I've ever seen. And she spends like the entire show basically shitting on this poor guy that proposed to her and trying to sabotage the other guy's relationship so she can get it's amazing dude it is absolutely it sounds amazing yeah it sounds you know, amazing okay i i will i i might check it out i don't know there's too much there's too much content there's, there's too, way much content. too much content uh the okay. only other the only other trashy tv that Katie and i watch well actually we watch a lot of trashy tv now that i think about it but we do watch a lot of 90 day fiance which is equivalently awful and why are you all watching why are you watching all of these like dating show type is that just is it just a coincidence uh yeah i think that's just a coincidence i think it's just coincidence i think it's just we watch the the best of the worst you know what i mean right and these okay. are these are definitely the best like we don't watch the bachelor or anything 
We okay. don't have we don't have real TV, so that could be why we don't watch The Bachelor. But got it. Yeah, we watch a lot of Ninety Day Fiance, and it is horrible. And yet, I can't look away. It's the, okay. It's the best and the worst at the same time. I don't yeah, suggest I, you start watching that. But definitely no, watch no, Love Is Blind. I'm not going. Yeah, well, I'll, I might check it out. I might check it out in the episode. We'll see. The premise will catch you in the first episode if, if you don't. If if it doesn't, like you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna do it for you. So you we started by talking about how Italy was like you know on shutdown and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just watching all of this coronavirus hysteria happening and trying to put it in perspective. I think <clears throat> most recently we had a discussion. I, I, I serve on a, uh, an executive board of a local um, uh, BSA, Boy Scouts of America Council, and there was a request uh, to potentially cancel all uh, meetings, troop meetings for the foreseeable future in order to mitigate, you know, potentially spreading the coronavirus. And, you know, uh, I, I I was just thinking about like everything that's happening and I, I couldn't help but remember you know, the swine flu back in 2009. When, remember that? Yeah, when you were patient zero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, I, I certainly wasn't the first person that got the swine flu in Southern California, but, um, but I was the first dummy who walked into an emergency room and declared that my general uh, physician told me that I had the swine flu and smart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Super like super well thought out. I, you know what? I, I mean, anyway, listen, that was in <laughs> August. August of 2009. So I, I because I, I look back at some of the stuff, I crafted a response to the, you know, to the board uh, of my thoughts about this entire situation. And in doing so, I did some looking back both through my own uh, records, emails and stuff like that, communications that I had with people and also kind of news stories from there. And I didn't, I didn't remember that the, the swine flu stuff started like in April of 2009, but I didn't get it until August of 2009. And it wasn't declared an emergency, a national emergency until October of 2009. And I'm just praying that this doesn't, this coronavirus stuff doesn't last hysteria doesn't last for six months because I don't know if I can deal with all of the, the craziness. So apparently, yeah, apparently, uh, like every place is out of bleach, paper towels, gloves, and rubbing alcohol, like every single place, which is just 
it's just mind boggling to me. You know, it's mind boggling to me that people are like, okay, what do I need? I need as much cleaning supplies as possible in order to protect my home. I'm, am I underestimating this? I mean, your, your wife is a, your wife is a medical professional. Uh, am I, I, I'm not, I'm not being complacent just to be clear. I think the coronavirus it's, it's, it's serious. But at the same time, I think people are losing complete context. The interesting thing was, when did Twitter start? When, when was Twitter made? I have no idea. It feels like either Twitter has been something that started last week or it's been you know time eternal just from the start, this, the beginning of time. No, no. I'm sure it's existed in hell since, uh, since <laughs> you know, uh, the, the beginning of the universe, whenever it was created. Uh, no, but I mean, when, when did, when did human beings on earth have access to Twitter? I don't I know. 2008? Like maybe, yeah. maybe 2008, because I don't remember like there being a, I, I don't remember Twitter during the swine flu. I remember Facebook and the well, other social media. To be fair, Twitter now is like a whole different world than the real world to begin with. And it's a complete, it's in a totally different place than it ever has been in the past. Uh, many thanks to Donald Trump for that, for, you know, turning Twitter into like the platform it is today for better or worse, you know, that he absolutely, you know, used it in a way that, that I think nobody else has ever thought of using it and completely turned everything on its head. So now it's like the, the response to that has turned Twitter into a whole different world. So that's why I think that's why Twitter response to anything is like <clears throat> magnified and exaggerated times a thousand but but it's not just Twitter, Armin. It's it feels like it feels like everybody's losing their GD minds. That that's what it feels like. And I mean, I get it. You don't want to get you don't want to get this this you know disease that is a respiratory thing. But like realistically, I mean, people don't people don't remember. I mean, I had to, I had to actually look up first off. I found like a city of Glendale, California webpage. That's still up by the way, from, <laughs> from uh, 2009 when the swine swine flu stuff was happening, when H1N1 was a, was, you know, a big deal. And the instructions that it has on it are exactly the same hygiene instructions that are being talked about now, you know, wash your hands, try to keep distance from people, you know, uh, same exact instructions. And then I found, uh, you know, kind of a new story about how the CDC and the World Health Organization probably bungled the, the announcement of H1N1. They made it sound far more serious than it actually was, which caused a lot of, you know, issues. Uh, both like socially and politically, you know, people panicked, uh, which was probably what contributed, uh, you know, me being encouraged by family members to walk into an emergency room and declare that uh, I had the swine flu. Uh, and I mean, even though it turned out to be true, it was a, 
it was such a dumb move. It was one of the mildest flus I'd, I'd ever gotten. Um, but I guess it's a good thing I got it because I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever had a flu since then. Um, what? I mean, I get, yeah, I get, I get vaccinated, but I don't, I, I've never caught the actual flu or if I have, it's felt like a mild, mild cold huh. sniffles. And so, but reg- you know, that's neither here nor there. Do you know how many people got the swine flu according to the CDC? No clue. In 60 million 2009 during the 2009 pandemic ending in like like over a year period from April to April 2009 to April 2010. That's 60 old. million people in the that's United States. A lot States. of people in the United States alone. Oh, just in the United States. Wow, that's crazy. Wait, how many people did it kill? Okay. It killed 12,000 people. Damn, dude. In the U.S. In the U.S. Wow. 12,000 people. Now, do you know how many people have died from the flu or flu-related complications in the last six months? No clue. 12,000. Okay. All right. So what you're saying is the flu is much more deadly than... Or well, as deadly H one N one H one N one was yeah. a was a strain of the flu and and why people I think why the CDC reacted the manner in which it reacted was because unlike the regular flu, which impacted people who were over the age of sixty five, uh, uh, you know, uh, it had a it had a major impact on people over the age of sixty five and young people, I think. H1N1 created panic because relatively healthy people between the ages of 20 and 50, um, there were some small percentage of people who would get some sort of terrible respiratory thing and get hospitalized. Hmm. So that's why it was, it was, you know, considered to be super dangerous because it didn't act like a regular flu. It caused this respiratory issue. I don't remember what it was called. It was like, Acute respiratory distress syndrome, something like that, ARDS, okay, was that as a result of H1N1. But in retrospect, you look at it and it's like, we have annual flus that, uh, you know, maybe affect 30 to 40 million people in the United States every year and kill, you know, somewhere around 0.02% or point one percent of the people that get infected with them Mm -hmm. and i i don't know what it is about this particular is it that is it causing more hospitalizations than normal is it you know what what is so crazy about this that it requires this sort of kind of hysteria and is it is it just politics are people like Here's our chance, you know, to, I mean, I mean, I know, I know the stock market has, has fallen recently and that that's not necessarily everything having to do with the coronavirus, but I'm trying to understand what, what is in all likelihood, this is just going to be like, probably just like the swine flu H1N1, like at the end of this, a year from now, we'll look back and go, huh. Did you get coronavirus? Like, yeah, 
uh, oh, did you even know? Nah, I mean, I had some sniffles and some sneezing, you know, or something like that. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or is it really going to be this thing where it's like 50% of the world population got coronavirus <laughs> and, and 3% of them died, you know? And it's like, oh, well, I mean, that sounds, uh, let's, let's do some math. 50% of one and a half. Hot. So one and a half percent of the world population dying from coronavirus. Was that like 10 million people? hundred million people it's a hundred million okay. people i mean if there's seven billion people okay yeah ten percent of seven billion is seven hundred million no. and then ten percent of that is seventy i missed uh i missed uh i missed an order of magnitude i missed an order of magnitude there i'm no i just reminds me of that of that thing where uh you know uh, on Brian Williams on MSNBC said, uh, you know, put up the tweet of somebody saying, if Bloomberg had only, Bloomberg spent $500 million on the election and there are 300 million people in the United States, like he could have given a million dollars to every person in the United States and still had, you know, $200 million left over. I was like, hey, dummies. (laughs) A million times 300 million is not 500 million. It's pretty close, yeah. though. Yeah, it's close. It's pretty close. It's close. So, what what do you think it is? Because um, I'm curious. Well, okay, so everybody's living through this right now. The best argument that I've heard is that what you don't want is to overwhelm the healthcare system, right? So, what you don't want is to have hordes of people going into ERs and ICUs, taking up the available bed space, and then the the next wave of people who are who need you know respirators or whatever type of medical care serious medical care don't have access to it because the the hospitals are full and the beds are you know so the behavior to best stop that from happening is to prevent the spread of something like coronavirus as aggressively as possible as early as possible so that you delay the sort of peak and also diminish the peak of how many people are demanding of hospital beds when it does okay. occur that's that's okay. the argu- that's the that's the most coherent argument that i've seen isn't that what we do already with flu outbreaks isn't that why we get vaccinated and we tell our kids to wash their hands and, you know, I mean, don't, it, aren't the hygiene stuff, isn't that just normal common sense information that you would give to a child or yes. to any person? Yes. But, but I mean, we're like, social animals anyway. You have to, oh, I mean, I, you have to, I think, I think changing the behavior, the question isn't whether behavior should change or be affected. It's how far. Right? Is is it too much change to ask for someone to wash their hands two, no. three, four times as much as they, they do regularly? I don't think so. I don't think that's I don't a big think deal. so either. Is it too no. much change to sort of stop doing high fives and fist bumps and just kind of like touch feet and touch elbows? Eh, probably not. Like, you know, that's okay. that's fair. Especially, you know, if you're traveling a ton or interacting with people you don't normally interact with. That's I think that's fair. 
is it too far to say self everybody self-quarantines everywhere? Probably. Yeah, you know I, mean? I, I mean, schools, you know, did you know that Providence High School, our, our uh, uh, high school alma mater, just just basically shut down for the remainder of the second semester? Why? It's online only. Oh, oh, so the thing about schools going online only, they will never, ever recover from that. Because the moment students and better off, the parents that are paying the tuition realize that they don't need to pay extra in order to go to these like schools in person, it's going to completely change the way uh, the way that high schools and universities do business. It absolutely, and it should because that right, might be a good thing. Yeah, it should because right now, uh, high schools and universities are are not particularly they're not affected by any sort of market demand. They're totally separate from any sort of market demand. They get to set their own prices. They get to make their own KPI. They get to do whatever they want, um, and the people just deal with it because we've been you know told that it's absolutely essential and this is just the system we play in. So I think it's a really positive thing. Like I don't think, you know, I think 10 years from now, university and high school, maybe a little bit more on the university side is going to look a lot different because people uh, realize that it's actually a lot easier to change than they expected because of these, uh, the self quarantine. So I think that's a positive end result. Um, probably something similar to that will happen with like work from home technology. Like it's a lot more accessible than it seems to be. And a lot more jobs can be done remote than need than like, you know, most people realize. So that's, that's another, you know, benefit of this, at least, um, you know, in the long term, people will realize that you don't actually have to be in the same shitty office with your, you know, shitty coworkers to get your job done. Um, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever the, the end result is of that. Okay. Now, now let's get to the, the juicy part. So if the shit really hits the fan, like I am absolutely it, unprepared. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. Let's set that aside. So if actually we'll use it as part of the premise. So the shit really hits the fan. In fact, coronavirus, like let's say 5% of the people who get it, have a uh, reaction where they become uh, extremely belligerent and, uh, uh, you know, crave brains of living other living creatures. Okay. Sounds, sounds pretty normal so far. Sounds completely plausible. So far plausible, right? Where is the first place that you are going to go because you're unprepared. So, so, uh, like, would you stay in your unprepared domicile? Let's say it's at home, okay? Okay. And you, you like, like your TV flickers on, and there's a frantic news report, and uh, and then the the newscaster gets eaten alive <laughs> on yeah on during the broadcast, and then it, it like goes poo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, Technical difficulties. You know, Technical yeah. difficulties, okay? Like, what's your first reaction? Where well, do you go? Do you first of all, home? I live in Texas, so <laughs> things are a lot different out here than they are where you are in in California. 
I, I'm pretty sure I can go to the corner market and buy ammunition. <laughs> so I'm not as worried about being physically unprepared. Not to mention, not not 10 minutes away from me, I'm pretty sure Tim Kennedy lives. So I could get a hold of Tim Kennedy and, and he is he's going to fuck up some zombies. So he's definitely someone to roll with. Uh, in the in the case that you know everything really goes really goes sideways, like realistically speaking, it's like, man, yeah, you you I I've I've got the baseball bats, uh, so I've got to get some nails to to obviously put on my baseball bat. Um, I've got you know I've I've got a I've got a top up. Wait, and, you have a you have an actual wooden baseball bat? I do. That was the first thing that okay. I bought when I moved to Texas, actually. Oh, fantastic! It, Why it, didn't you buy a metal one? Oh, because I feel like it's way more poetic to to have self defense be like a wooden bat. You know what I mean? So it's it's you know, is it any more or less effective than a than a steel bat? No, probably not. Well, okay. I think it's a wash. You know what I mean? You've seen and me. You can't sh- pound nails. You can't fi- pound nails into a. Uh, Thank metal you very bat. much. See, I can't pound Got nails it. into a metal bat. Uh, and you've seen Got me it. swing a bat, so you know. It's like is is the, is a steel is a steel pack going to make a difference? I'm not throwing it well, at Well, first off, if you ever are going to use your bat in a self defense capacity, please don't swing it. Stab him with it. It's not sharp enough. No, no, no. you. Uh, are, are we talking about zombies or regular people now? Uh, I don't know. Which situation do you want to go with? How about zombies first? How how do I deal with zombies with a baseball bat? You sound like you yeah, have okay. some expertise here. No, no, I'm just thinking about the actual the actual logistics of of a, a swing requires a backswing. Okay. Right? So what you're saying is is don't risk getting the backswing caught, caught by anything. Yeah, and plus it takes time to actually swing, you know, like to draw your your body back in order to create the the actual swing. So you know, the best way to use it as as a self-defense tool is a, as an extension of a punch jab jab with it. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's going to hurt. If, if somebody jabs you anywhere with a, the, the head of a baseball bat, it's going to hurt. It will 100% deter you from moving forward. Are you basically telling me that I need to start learning how to fence and just fence because fencing has no backswing. I mean, if you're going to go with fencing, you might as well get a katana and be that guy. I, yeah, yeah, I'll be just a weeb running around the streets. That's great. I'll put on my Japanese. Have you seen that video of that guy sandals. like uh, riding, riding like an airdyne, and at the same time, uh, you know, swinging a katana around? No, I have not seen that. Uh, <laughs> I have not seen that. That guy sounds like a real winner, though. Real winner. You know what? Everybody needs pretend time. I think. It, you know, the advent of cell phones has really cut our ability to, uh, you know, enjoy our imagination. We're literally having pretend time right now. We're talking about the zombie apocalypse. Okay, so hold on. Are you prepared for a zombie apocalypse? No. So what do you do? Arguably, you'd be way more screwed than I am. Because I could go down to whatever. Like, I could literally I could go down to the, the academy sports down the street and buy an entire arsenal on credit. I don't even need money. Yeah. I've thought about this. I I thought about this (laughs) quite a bit. Um, 
And they give I mean, you the gun right there. There's no fucking waiting. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you think you think you're gonna you think you're gonna go down to your like you know th- first of all there are no Bass Pro Shops in California. I'm pretty sure not where you no. these. You think you're, no. you're gonna go down to your local Walmart and buy a firearm? And no, you're, you're wait not. For three not weeks? anymore. No way. No. No. Out here, it's like <laughs> you know. What do you what do you I'm, want I'm to filling use out I'm filling out the background check as you know like zombies are running down yeah. the aisles eating people. Yeah, that's exactly and the Walmart it. guy is just like, no, no, you have to fill this out. <laughs> I could get fired. I could get fired. <laughs> I could get fired. Um no, it just like you, I'm I think who who amongst people I know, acquaintances or friends, whose house do I want to go straight to? Well, we can't. You, I wouldn't suggest Narek's house because it has no barricade, it has no fence. It's just, it's just stripped. I would recommend he get out of there immediately. Okay. Your house doesn't have a barricade or a fence either, so I don't know if that's a good idea to stay where you're at. No, no, no it's probably not a good idea. Uh, Mom and Dad's I mean, has listen. has plenty of water, but it's a little too isolated in case something does go wrong. You're kind of screwed. It's you're no, literally you, at the you, end of the line. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's a defensible location. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, but you know, no, zombies it's def- don't just definitely use, defensible. Zombies don't just use roads. They're not going to climb up the side of a mountain to get to. They're not. Are you, no. Oh, don't be no, under, no, don't no, be no. the underestimating guy in this scenario because that guy no, always right. gets eaten. You're right. If you're going to be standing on them, the edge. You're going to be standing on the edge of a cliff that you think is absolutely unscalable by zombies. You're going to be like, and, they're never going to get me. You're going to be doing I'm your big peeing speech. over the edge on them, laughing at yeah, them, and they're going to rip, re- reach up and rip your dick off your body. That's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. Don't do it. No, I thought. I thought. I think the best case scenario is to find, uh, uh, you remember Arby? Yes. Yeah. That's a good move. Arby, Ar- like Arby is 100%. Uh, you know, that's a good move. I, I have, I have two locations where I know that he might be, even though we like, we talk maybe once a year. He probably know, take you in. I know where he works and I know where his in-laws live. <laughs> I would not start with the in-laws. I would not start with the in-laws. Yeah, I don't know. You think he would delay? Like, he'd be like, listen, uh, honey, we've got uh, a couple of stops we need to make before we get to the in-laws. Yeah, that wouldn't be stop number one. That wouldn't be stop number one. I think he'd be able to convince Sally to let her parents go. (laughs) Yeah. And just so everybody knows, our, our, RB was a client of ours, and uh, he's an emergency room doctor and also an avid bow hunter. Who, who's, who's talented as well with firearms because he needs to carry around guns in order to fight bears in case there's in case. Oh, yeah, yeah, into yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mention that. The bears that he hunts with his bow and arrow, he usually has uh, like a... a you know, a sidearm that has, you know, it's like those uh, giant, uh, dirty, hairy type guns, just in case something really goes wrong. I think one time I asked him, I was like, what situations do you think you'd ever actually have to use your gun as opposed to the bow? And he said, 
um, in a situation where, for example, I miss and injure a boar and I'm going after it and another animal gets on its tail because it, it can smell the blood and I have to fight that animal off. And usually that animal is the much, 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 much bigger and more dangerous one. <laughs> and I was like, you do this? Like, what, what, are, what are you talking about? So yeah, actually he told He told a story about him hunting in Canada. I remember him telling me a story about him hunting bears in Canada where the person who was supposed to go with him, a friend of his, basically bailed out. And he was like, I'm not canceling this trip. And it's one of those trips where you get dropped off with a seaplane, basically. <laughs> <clears throat> and he said that when he got to wherever that, like the small, and when I say small town, it's like just a group of three or four buildings was at where, all, you know, all of these hunters would, you know, kind of come into. He said they had these storage you know, the pods, you know, like the, uh, the trailer on an 18 wheeler. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they had like three of those set up for like storage purposes for stuff. And he said, you could see the marks on the ground and on the trailers where the bears would come to try to get at whatever was inside. And they would push those trailers. There were scratches on the floor where they would kind of push oh those trailers God. back and forth. And then he, he, you know, I mean, he, he was out there for like days, five or six, seven days. And he said that one of like the first bear that he, he just got his eyes on was this big bear apparently. And he's like, this is the one I'm going to get. And he said he, he thought he was hunting it for like a day and a half. But it was like the middle of the night and he was out and it's super dark. There's no, there are no lights anywhere. And he, it all of a sudden kind of dawned on him that he wasn't hunting this bear, that the bear was actually hunting him. <laughs> this, is, so he was like, this is the best movie I've ever watched. <laughs> he was like, you know what? I'm going to go find this smaller bear. <laughs> that's, that's... So he, yeah, I, I think he bagged like five or six hundred pounds of meat. He said, um, "Bear meat." Yeah, the bear that he got. Fuck. And 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 th okay, think about the logistics. By the way, do you eat of how bear? much of? A yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a really absolutely. confident answer. I didn't I didn't realize that bears were part of our food chain. Well, okay, he killed this bear. It was like day four or whatever, day five. He killed this this bear, then. He's a mile and a half. I, I think it was a mile and a half. He, he's a mile and a half from where his camp is, near this place where the, the seaplane comes in, because he needs to get the bear meat after dressing the bear down. He needs to get the bear meat from where he killed the bear to the water because he puts it in a, like, in like, almost like garbage bags. And then they put it in the water. The water's like two degrees above freezing. And that's how they keep the, the meat until the plane comes. 
So he had to lug 500 pounds of bear meat, you know, back and forth from this location. Uh, you know, I mean, so what you're saying is, you what you're saying is the guy you want during a zombie apocalypse. It was the most the delicious guy. meal that he's ever had in his entire life. Every single well, time. I'm sure he ate, he, ate, he ate bear meat for a year. You know? Uh, uh yeah, so basically, he is the perfect person. Uh, ER doctor, so he's great under under pressure. He can fix you up with from the medical perspective. Uh, and if he needs to break into a pharmacy, he knows exactly what drugs to take and, and how to administer them. And he also knows how to defend himself and his loved ones. And he can feed you if he needs to. Yeah, and you know what I provide? What? That's Because that, this is really important. Yes, it is. And I've thought about it too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a fast learner. Uh, okay. That, I mean, that, no, I, so I'm far, not, not, I'm not good giving enough. you the. Yeah, so far, no, not no. good enough. <laughs> I think Arby and I would get along really well because Arby doesn't say a lot. And I am a loquacious and entertaining speaker. I would, I would entertain him. During Are you familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Because entertainment is not really very low on that on that hierarchy, bro. I read somewhere to bring that something else. The best, laughter is the best medicine. What does the what does the ER doctor think about that about that <laughs> prescription? He wants mentally stimulating conversation when he's sitting down and making arrows out of. The uh, bones branches, of... <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, yeah. No? no, no, that's good. I use the entertainment angle. I think let's we'll, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. I'm curious. You don't really see that happen too much in 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 apocalypse movies like zombie movies. You don't all you don't have the one guy whose only thing is to be funny. I mean, I'm, I'm, I gen, I'm an Eagle Scout. I, I have basic skills, you know, it, it, like I go back to the fast learner thing. Okay. I, I could pick things up, jack of all trades. And I tell a mean if, story. If you need a dad joke, I've got you covered. <laughs> I mean, if you're sitting around a campfire during the apocalypse and you know, you're just really, really like, uh, this is terrible. You know, I can't believe this is happening. We need to get to Washington, D.C. for whatever reason. <laughs> we need to get to Washington, D.C. <laughs> that, is, that is a very, very post-apocalyptic movie storyline. For whatever reason, we need to get to Washington, D.C., yeah, you just you just hike along Route sixty six. I heard I heard there was a commune. It's I heard there was either either uh, a a commune, b the cure, or c a cure within a commune somewhere right. out east. No, it's it's the only surviving governmental facility that's left. What's funny is, do you think other cultures have these types of like the post apocalyptic thing is a very kind of American. Yeah, it feels like a really American, American thing. You know, the only time I've seen any sort of post-apocalyptic thing taking place outside of the U.S., it was twenty-eight days later. Yeah, and uh, Shaun of the Dead. 
and both of those take place in the UK. If I remember, yeah, but it, it, yeah, it, they do. But it, it feels like those guys were were in some way <clears throat> influenced by American kind of American media. Well, yeah, I, I mean, the, yeah, I don't know. I don't... the best the best examples of like post apocalyptic media is all based in the U.S. I mean, do you think there's a like like there? Do you think there's a an equivalent Chinese movie about the apocalypse, or or do you think that the Chinese government would be like, ooh, zombies, like that that might be cutting too close to how our populace sees themselves already? <laughs> oh, zing! Now that's the entertainment that you can have censored in China. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the type of entertainment that you can have post-apocalypse. If you just bring and then, and then where would they, where would they all go? Would they go to the Wuhan facility? Like, do you think like, you know, I've seen, I've seen, I haven't seen any of the movies, but I've seen some versions of like the post-apocalyptic, you know, like the Armageddon style movies for, uh, you know, the Chinese audiences. None yeah. of them have the vibe. None of them are like, are like the stand or last of us. Like none of them are like a virus that takes over. All of them are some sort of wild existential threat from space, whether it's like a different, like a different world or a different planet or like a, you know, it's stuff like that. They don't, I don't think, I don't think the, um, I don't think they would, be comfortable with like you like you know the chinese bankroll movies that we've seen recently in, in u.s cinema like uh, uh that big shark the one or the one Wait, with which the, big shark? there was like the one with the big shark that jason statham was in you remember that okay one? i didn't no but I, I i remember it but i didn't see it okay and then there was the one with matt damon where he was like that was great the white guy fighting I, the monsters on oh, the yeah, other side I, of the wall it was fantastic yeah i never saw that one and it definitely wasn't fantastic. So I'm just going to go what? ahead and stop you Come right on. there. Uh, it's the origin story of why they built the, the Great Wall. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Yeah, it was the monsters on the other side of the wall. Uh, so the those are the types of, of existential threats that the Chinese audience seems to really prefer. The, the idea of, you know, a man-made super virus wiping out its population and leaving them in the ruins of, you know, the fine civilization they live in now. The stand. Yeah. It, the stand would never take place. It just could never happen. It could, I, I don't think the stand would translate well to Chinese culture. It just, it requires, it requires Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Like it requires a Randall flag. Who's the Randall flag of China? Who's the Chinese Randall flag? You know what I mean? I don't know if it exists. I don't know if like the character types even fit. He would be a Chinese governmental official, one hundred percent. I guess, but then, but then it would also work in the U.S. So it could be a U.S. Like, can't you imagine it? Can't you imagine the next fucking crazy blockbuster, uh, post-apocalyptic, you know, Hollywood movie? is, you know, some uh, caricature, inept government official, like, you know, presses the button at the wrong time, and 10 years later, there's, like, mutant zombies everywhere, and, you know, uh, the, the, the head of the government is, like, you know, the previous leader's kid, 
who is just holding on to power through, uh, God, name it, I don't know, uh, breeding mutants with humans in order to create a new super race. You know, I mean, like, I'm just spitballing here, but I'm pretty sure this is coming out next summer. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this movie's coming out next summer. I'm just spitballing here. By the way, uh, direct, direct, directly streamed, no, no movie theaters. No movie theaters, movie- no, yes. Movie theaters, uh, you know, are going to be canceled, basically. They are going to be closed down because of coronavirus. Uh, That's right. Yeah. No, I, I uh, yeah. And then they're going to the, be turned into, uh, they're going to be turned into like triage centers. A plucky per- group of socialists, uh, high school students. I mean, you know what? Why do you need a hospital bed when you have the movie theater down the street that has reclining chairs? That's what you I'm just saying. Just put all the sick people, you put all the sick people, and then you you show them movies to keep them placated as they get better. If they get better. If they get better, right? Or they watch movies and learn in their zombie brain how to behave. And suddenly we have zombies that were taught by zombie movies how to kill and eat humans. And then it's like super mm. meta. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there it is. That sounds like a great idea, actually. There it is. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy we discussed that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, we'll find out in a couple weeks if there, when there's you know a hundred thousand cases of coronavirus in the U.S., we'll know. You know, as of right now, by the way, live update: we have um, eight hundred and eight cases of of coronavirus in the United States. Eight hundred and eight. Uh, so. I don't know. Eight hundred eight. Yeah, eight zero eight. That's just a. That's just a. That's just testing. That's what that is. No, that's so that's, that's how that's confirmed. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I I understand, but that's a that's a function of the lack of testing. Right. The so that dur- number is probably way more. Not only that, but most people like going back to the swine flu thing. I went in. <clears throat> so just real quick, I went to a bachelor party. Came back. Uh, a bachelor party in New Orleans. Came back, wasn't feeling well. Uh, mom offered to drive me from my house to the doctor's office, and I go to the doctor's office, and my doctor is, you know, I mean, he's just one of these guys where he's like, "Hey," mispronounces my name, you know. I, I've, I've been going, going to him for, him for 25 years. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Hey, Zuri. And he's like, Hey, Dr. Watkins. Uh, and he's <laughs> like, yeah. So what, what, what's bothering you? And it's like, yeah, I'm feeling sick. It's a great impression like, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. And he goes, uh, well, you know, uh, you've seen it in the news and it's like, I've seen what in the news, the swine flu. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. I have the swine flu. Okay. In my, in my compromised fever ridden mind, I'm like, okay, that makes complete sense to me. So five minutes, I mean, nurse took my blood pressure. They took my temperature. I have a temperature. You have the swine flu. Great. Walk out into the waiting room. Mom and I walk down the hall. I'm getting into her car and she goes, what did the doctor say? And I said, without thinking doctor says i have the swine flu what blew up she marches me back into the doctor's office 
Okay. And I'm like, mom, like, it's okay. I'm going to go home. No, people are dying. People are dying. That's what she said. She's not wrong. I mean, that's fact. It was a factual statement. It is always a factual statement. So then she goes up to the nurse. But I mean, by the way, this is 2009. Okay. 2009. So 11 years ago, I grown ass 27 year old man who just asked my mom, please give me a ride because I don't feel like driving. She, she bad, uh, badgers is the wrong word. She convinces the nurse to get the doctor like out to explain how he came to the conclusion that I had the swine flu. And the doctor, of course, says that's the flu that's going around everybody who comes in with the flu probably has the swine flu now that was a real dick move on his part okay <laughs> uh, no that wasn't the that wasn't the dick move the dick move was after mom said to him don't you think it's irresponsible to tell people that they have something without you confirming it and here's where the dick move happened the doctor's office is attached to our local hospital here. He's like, why don't you go down to the emergency room? If you want it confirmed, just walk into the emergency room. That was the dick move because unfortunately, as of August of 2009, there had not been a single confirmed case of H1N1 in Glendale, Pasadena, or Burbank. So at this point, I mean, you know, at this point, I'm like, whatever gets me home fastest. Okay. The ER is not how you get home fastest. I'll tell you that right now. It never is, but go on, please. So I walk in, walk into the ER, walk up to the window and there's a, a nurse or receptionist or somebody, I think it was a nurse. He's sitting at. Uh, on one of these swivel chairs with his back kind of to me. And he looks over his shoulder. He's like, how can I help you? And I, of course, say the magic words. My doctor told me to come here because I have the swine flu. And um, his reaction was to push, push himself away from the window like roll eight feet on his chair. (laughs) Like fumble underneath, you know, the desk and he grabbed this like kit. It was like one of these plastic boxes and he tossed it at me, literally tossed it at me. And I catch this kit. It was a good throw. I catch this kit and it's a mask and like gloves and, and he's like, wear that right now. And I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on? You know? And then there's this little room next to the reception area between the waiting room and the actual back of the house of the ER. And so the, you know, the door, I hear it buzz and he's like, like step into that room. I'm like, okay. I step into the room and it's a room the size of like, it's like eight feet by eight feet. It's a tiny room. Okay. And the door closes behind me and then there's a door in front of me and there's a little, there's a 
there are two chairs and what seems to be a desk that's attached to the wall. So I go back and I try the door behind me and it's locked. And then I walk up to the door on the other side and that's locked. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So then the door opens up and the dude comes out dressed up in a full outbreak Dustin Hoffman. Like hazmat, hazmat, total like hazmat. Level suit. four, like... <laughs> And then that guy, all I could see is his face through the, the shield. And like, He's it was like, a different guy than the one at the. You're no, going to no, be no. fine, Mr. Amirian. No, no, he didn't say anything. He just kind of gave me this really tired look. And over his shoulder, there's like this. She was probably in her 50s, this nurse, where she's like, You're a liar like yelling at me, to you're you. lying. Yeah. As the door kind of closes behind the guy and he sits down and I'm like, what is going on? And he has a clipboard with him and he goes, he's like, there have been no confirmed cases of the swine flu in Glendale, Pasadena or Burbank. So, you know, we're required to ask you three pages of questions and forward this to the CDC. So where, where were you, blah, 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 all the stuff. And, you know, I answered the questions to the best of my ability. And I'm like, listen, man, I just have the flu. I, I just need to get out of here. Like, what, like what, what do we have to do? He's like, well, we have, to, we have to test you. I'm like, what's the test? And he goes, just wait. Walks out of the room and then comes back and the nurse is now again over his shoulder going, this is the test. And she's holding this narrow tube. It looks like almost like the tube, like an IV tube, but narrower. And it's about, I don't know, nine inches long. I mean, it, and curved. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this story <laughs> takes a turn. Uh, <laughs> Did you eyeball that nine inches or what? I, I just estimated. <laughs> Did you have to hold it at hip width, at like hip length from your from your face to get nine inches? You're like, yeah, that looks about twice as big. <laughs> You're like, can I hold on to that? Could do you mind if I just grab it real quick to measure this? I don't know. Anyway, I'm like, where does that go? <laughs> where does that go? Where, 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 where's that go? And he's like, it goes into your, it goes into your nose. I'm like, into my nose? Like, what do you mean into my nose? Like, yeah, like the tube has to go into your sinuses or some shit like that. So they, I have to lean my head back as this guy administers this, you know, incredible test with his nine and a half inch tube. And, uh, and, and then he's like, go home and uh, we recommend that you like self quarantine. Okay. Yvette moves, moves into her parents' house basically at this point. And uh, thankfully this was before, uh, you know, Zach, Zach was born. So she moves, she moves into her parents' house and 
and I get a phone call the next morning. I feel better, by the way, already. Okay. It's like Wednesday morning. I get a phone call and it's the nurse. And she's like, Mr. Miriam. I'm like, oh shit. Just, just from her saying Mr. Miriam, I'm like, I knew I, I'm, I'm, she's like, you're H1N1 positive. That's how she put it. That's positive. so fucked up. That's such a fucked up yeah. way of, you're positive for H, you're like, oh, stop. <laughs> what did you touch? <laughs> uh, so she goes, you're H1N1 positive. She goes, I just want to apologize to you for my reaction at, at the hospital. And I'm like, it's cool. You know, I feel better already. And I'm really happy that I know now. Um, and I'm really looking forward to going to my friend's um, wedding. You know, because it was the bachelor party and the next week it was the wedding. Uh, the next weekend it was the wedding. Friday we were supposed to fly up to San Francisco, Yvette and I. I'm like, I'm really looking forward to going to my friend's uh, wedding in San Francisco. And she's like, you're not going to your friend's wedding. I'm like, yeah, I am. I have, I have the flights booked. Like, this is my best friend. And she's like, no, um, you're on the no-fly list. <laughs> That's so fucking good. <laughs> I, I said, ma'am, excuse me. <clears throat> you put me on a no fly list. First of all, you can do that. And she's like, I didn't put you on a no fly list. The CDC put you on a no fly list. And I said, but is it clearly marked why I'm on the no fly list? <laughs> and, and she's like, excuse me. And I'm like, my name is Zara Amirian. Like, and you put me on a no-fly list. Like, is this going to stay on my record? How long am I on the no-fly list? She's like, you're only on the no-fly list for two weeks. And I was like, okay. So I ended up missing missing uh, my, my uh, best friend's uh, wedding. And I was, I, I remember actually at one point you delivered food. Yeah. And you were given strict instructions to just knock on my door and leave it, leave yeah. it on the, uh, on the porch and then get as far away as possible, as soon as possible, because somehow I was going to infect you with, with, the. Did, uh... did I follow those instructions? Oh, you did actually. Nice. Yeah. You knocked on the door, you set the, you set, you set the bag of whatever mom had made down and then you waved at me from the street. <laughs> How are you feeling? I feel fine. This is so stupid. You know, that, that entire thing. Good times. And yeah, good times. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I've experienced it from both sides. I feel like that, I, maybe, maybe that's why I feel like everything's kind of overblown because. Because you lived through my, swine flu. Because I lived through swine flu and I got, you know, basically, uh, all of the jokes that you can think of in terms of, oh, were you kissing pigs, pig fucker? Like, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> listen, what me and what Bessie and I do in our spare time is none of your business. You remember that picture that uh, uh, um, Yvette's brother 
like photoshopped of me at my birthday blowing out a cake and he put like a little pig on it and it looked like I'm kissing the pig and the cake said swine flu. I don't remember that, but that sounds amazing. You know what? You are, you are about to get a text right now. Wait, you just have that. You just have that in, in your easy to find rotation of pictures. No. Um, remember when I told you that I did some research on the 2009 uh, <laughs> pandemic. Did you and find went it? Back, went back into my emails. Here you go. It's <laughs> amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so perfect. The, the look on Yvette's face, she's like, I'm pleased with this. This is good. That's so good. You know, if we were on YouTube, that would make a great thumbnail. That would make show. a great thumbnail. That would make a great <clears throat> thumbnail. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, that's that's my uh, that's my H one N one story. Um, cool. What's what's new with you? I know you're traveling. I know that's coming up. Just traveling. Just on my way to Montreal tomorrow for Atlas Games, and then uh, uh, Del Mar for West Coast Classic the week after that. I'm probably going to have a couple weeks of no travel after that. We'll see we'll see if I can get some good work done in that interim and then and then go from there. I mean, who knows? April could be light or it could be really heavy. May could be light or it could be really heavy. It just depends. Are are there any issues with traveling to another country uh considering all of the stuff that's going on? Are are you concerned at all? The biggest risk that I am taking is that in the time that I'm in a foreign country, everything goes ballistic and I'm not allowed back in. That's probably the biggest risk. But realistically speaking, Canada has uh, very, very little chance of becoming like a no-travel zone from the U.S. Right. Uh, and there are worse places to be stuck than Montreal. And there are worse places to be stuck than Montreal. And on top of that, right now, I have some potential international travel booked for May and that is the tough one right so it's like if I'm if I travel four times in May and three of those are to Europe it becomes really really difficult like you know Europe in May is going to look a lot different than it does right now because it's going to spread a lot more um, you know considering what happened in Italy so who knows but it's Italy, like, Italy is mostly because of the demographics of Italy I mean, Italy al already had kind of a demographic is in a demographic death spiral due to how many uh, elderly people there are uh, compared to the you know younger people. Right. So right. I understand. I understand how a country like Italy, which, I mean, what's the population of Italy? No clue. A few million, ten million. I have no idea. I mean, I'm guessing it's probably you know comparable to. LA County maybe in terms of population what is um, it the population of Italy is 60 million people holy shit a lot more than I thought yeah. okay yeah so um, <clears throat> yeah I, I mean it sounds like they're they're shutting everything down yeah I, I, I are you I mean how do you prepare for that how do you prepare for the possibility that things will go to shit as you are traveling Hopefully, I don't mean foresight. go to shit like, yeah. I don't. I don't mean like 
you know, like, like realistically go to shit. Right. Realistically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's one of those foresight things. Uh, you know, if I'm traveling internationally in May, I'm going to have to have a lot of, um, contingency plans in place for what happens if I'm staying there three, four, five times as long as I expected to. Mm. Um, but realistically speaking, if traveling to May, uh, traveling to Europe in May ends up actually being that type of a risk, I don't think I'll be able to pull the trigger on it because I just am not willing to take that risk. It's just not right. worth it. I don't care. Like I don't. I don't think that I'm in any particular bad place um, for uh, coronavirus. But, you know, the logistical challenge that it would present in my life of like being stuck in Europe for a month or whatever, or stuck outside of the States for a month and then, you know, not being able to actually work the way I need to work, like that would be a problem. So, you know, if it, if it does progress to that point over the next like month or so, I don't think I'm going to be making those international trips. Are you watching like movies like uh, Contagion? I've never uh, seen that movie. Okay. Everyone keeps talking about that movie. Contagion? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's great in this particular case simply because of, you know, how they chose the particular story and and how the virus in that movie made the transition from an animal to a to a human and then how they're trying to get to the bottom of where it started. And in the meanwhile, like everybody's dying, you know, maybe I should watch that movie. I don't know. It sounds pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Plus I, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think is the actress. Yeah. I just Googled it. Yeah. Yeah. Gwyneth uh, Paltrow, Matt Damon, Jude Law. What a cast. Oh, it's, oh, it, it, it's great. What a it's cast. great. And I'm not going to spoil it. Um, other than the fact that there's, uh, you know, a, an actual contagion, there's an actual virus in the movie, but I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy it. Hell yeah! All right, dude. It's been it's been okay, dope talking to you. I'm glad that yeah. you don't have coronavirus. I'll. S- I mean, I might, I might have gotten it already, and we don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I'm going to go sneeze on some people. Yeah, just make sure they're not elderly. I, I mean, listen, I've already had visions of going to mom and dad's house and being like, oh, I don't feel comfortable. You know, especially since our culture is such a kiss kiss. Yeah. Well, like, I'm definitely not visiting grandma. That's for sure. Like, definitely oh, not risking no, no. that. So no, no, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a good idea at no. all. But you at know, all. wait, waiting a few months to, to see her again. I, I don't mind doing that. We'll yeah, especially since you're traveling. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's a big risk, but mom and dad are fine. They're, they're healthy. Um, they're in pretty good shape and they're not super old. So I don't know. Don't make me overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Everything will be fine. You're traveling to Montreal. You're going to be at a, a event where there's going to be lots of people uh, traveling internationally, and then you're going to come straight home and visit. Great idea, great idea. And mom is just going to be like, "Oh, it's my favorite son," and giving you like hugs and kisses. Yeah. And then 
that you know just imagine the worst happens oh man narc and i would never let you live that down yeah thanks i appreciate that that's that's yeah. how that's how you know that's how you know it's a good brotherly love <laughs> all right dude good chatting with you as always I'll, I'll catch you soon i'll see you next week that's even better i can't wait all right bud later okay oh, oh. maybe we do this in person <gasps> that could happen depending on depending on what wednesday looks oh, like yeah that'd be super cool yeah maybe we do this in person yeah that'd be great that would be great that'd be fantastic maybe we get narc involved in it oh now we're now we're shooting for the moon can we afford his hourly rate that's the real question no, absolutely not. It would have to be. It would have pro to be bono. pro bono. Yeah, it would have to be pro bono. That could be. It's dope. like those. It's like those things where it's like uh, Bill Gates in the last second made one point two million dollars, and you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. Is that just somebody that doesn't understand how stocks work? Is that is that what that is? That's actually exactly what that is. That's exactly okay. what that is. That's what I thought. Armin John, I will. Uh, I will talk to you soon. Safe travels. Give my best to Katie. Absolutely. Thanks, dude. Send my love to the family. I'll, I'll see you next week. Later, dude.